Today's daf is I is pay actually in Eruvin. We are on Ayin Tet Amud Bet at the Mishnah there. That's about I would say uh, halfway down the page, a little bit more than halfway. Ketzad Mishtatfin b'Mavoi. How do they create the Shitufim of Ot, uniting the Mavoi into one? This means that you have multiple Chatzerot, you have multiple courtyards. They open to the same alley, and they want to all be able to use this shared alley on Shabbat. How do they do it? Minyachet Achavit. A person takes. A barrel of some kind of a food or whatever it might be, and uh, and Rashi says Mishelohim Yutzei. He can also use his own. He doesn't have to take from everybody. He doesn't have to collect from everybody. And he says this belongs to everybody in the Mavoy. In other words, all of the members of so to speak of this neighborhood who use this alley uh, are included in this Umizakilin, and he transfers ownership. Uh, partial ownership to every member of the Mavoy, so it belongs to everybody, and uh, and he can do that. Al yedei b'no bitoak dolim. He can do that with his son or daughter who are adults. He can also do that through his ser- his slave or his maid servant ivrim that are Jewish. Meaning that if he has Jewish eved uh, ivri or he has a ma'ivriya, he has a a, a Jewish uh, servant, even though. Um, even though they are under his uh, his domain, so to speak, in other words, he they they're part of his household. Doesn't matter. He can still include them. He can still use them as representatives. In other words, the idea is lizakot. If you want to transfer ownership from yourself to somebody else to a third party, so you need somebody to. You can't just say. I make this phone belong to so and so. It doesn't work. You have to have somebody receive it. There has to be someone that represents that individual that receives it on their behalf. So you always have to lizakot al You have to use somebody, uh, other people, or somebody else to receive it. So he's saying you can give it. You hand it over to your son, your daughter, your your servant, valideishto, even your wife. In other words, even though these are all members of his own household, it doesn't matter. They can receive it on behalf of the members of the mavoy. And now, even without the members of the mavoy knowing that he did it, he made it belong to them and now they, they all have a share in it. He can't do that using his children who are underage. And he cannot use he can't use his non-Jewish uh, slaves because they don't have independence. Because their hand is like his hand. In other words, it would be like if I took my hand and I, my right hand and I put it in my left hand. They don't have an independent ability to uh, to to uh, effectuate any kind of uh, transfer of possession. So even though his wife is a member of his household, even though an Evid, uh, an Evid Ivri is a member of his household, they also can own their own stuff. They are not only, uh, they, they, you know, your wife can have her own uh, separate uh, uh, bank account. She can have her own possessions. And so too with the, with the children, even your adult children, even if they live with you, they still have their own independence so they can receive uh, the item on behalf of the members of the Mavoy. But, the, but one who does not have that, doesn't have a separate identity, financially speaking, cannot do that. You have to lift when you are transferring this item, you hand it to the person and they have to lift it. She says, When you transfer it to the members of the Mavoy, because if it's sitting there in your room, this barrel of wine or whatever you're using for the Shitufei Mavoy, you're allowed to use other foods besides bread. And you say, I accept this on behalf of everyone in the Mavoy. I'm being Mizakeh. I'm transferring partial ownership to everybody in the Mavoy, but it, you don't move it, nothing is done. It's just sitting there. That doesn't work. And th- therefore, they have to lift it up. So Rashi says, Im he quotes the Tosefta that says, Im if 
if it belonged to everybody already, he doesn't have to do that. But if it is his, uh, if you are taking an item that belongs to you and you want to make it belong to everybody in the Mavoy to share it, so then Rashi says, So then, uh, then you have to have this, the person who's being the representative. Let's say you take your adult son. You say, can you please lift this and accept it? On a, you're, you're, you're accepting it from me. I'm giving it to all the members of the Mavoy that they should have a share in it, even without them knowing. And that way, um, we all have some proprietary interest, so to speak, in the... Um, in the uh, in the wine or in the food that's being used for the mavoy, and that's the idea that it has to belong to everybody. Okay, that, so that the lifting it up from the ground means in order to effectuate the transfer, you have to have some movement. If you've ever seen that, of any kinyan, even a, even when they have uh, at a wedding, if they if they do a ketubah and the chatan has to do kabbalat kinyan, means he has to. In that case, the kinyan is demonstrating that he's obligating himself in something. But in any case, when you when you make some kind of a commitment or you make some kind of a transfer, there has to be an action. So he lifts it up a tefach. Also there. So uh, it's not um, a technicality. They can actually come and drink from I, I guess so, but I mean, I don't think they would, right? I don't think they would, but yeah, it's not a technicality. It really has to belong to them. Yeah. There were two things that the, um, the elders of Pumbedita said the following. One is ha. Is this that we just said? In other words, that you have to lift up the uh, the um, uh, the barrel to effectuate the transfer to everybody. So chadaha, that one is this one, and idach, the other one was hamikadesh, a person who says kiddush. If he tasted the amount that fills his cheek, in other words, he has to have a mouthful of wine. If he doesn't have at least a mouthful of wine when he drinks, then it's not going to be uh, a valid kiddush. So if the person who says kiddush has to drink from the wine at least lugmav, at least a cheek full. Of the liquid, There's another thing that Pumbedita that the elders of Pumbedita said. They said, You can make a fire for a chaya. Chaya doesn't mean a wild animal. Sometimes a chayot means wild animal, but here it means chaya means a newly a new mother, a mother who has recently given birth. You can make a fire. You can make medura means a uh, like a bonfire to warm her on Shabbat. Meaning she's feeling cold, she's feeling chilled. You're allowed to do that. Right? So the question is, they've originally thought that that meant only for a woman who's given birth, but maybe for a sick person, you can't make the fire. You have to call a non Jew or something. Uh, or, or they also thought, maybe that's only in the wintertime, but maybe in the summertime, you wouldn't be allowed to do it. And then they said, Itmar was stated, Rav Baravin said in the name of Shmuel that if a person has bloodletting and they become cold, they have chills. They can always make, in other words, any chole, any person who's defined as sick, it doesn't have to. They were just giving the example of a woman who had given birth. But really, anybody who's defined as sick and their health, health is frail, you can light a fire for them. Even bitkufat tamuz, even in the summertime, you're allowed to do that on Shabbat. Ha, and then Amar Amimar Amimar said, Ha, nami sabed de pumbedita. There's another statement of sabed de pumbedita, another statement of the, um, the elders of pumbedita that they said, the itmar ezoyashiwa. Uh, Asherah Stam. What is something which is presumed to be an Asherah? Now, these laws don't have anything really directly to do with our halachot that we're talking about here. The issues here are, uh, you know, these are just things that the elders of Pumbedita said. 
that happened to be that the elders of Pumbedita said this idea that when you transfer the Shitufei um, Mavuot to the community or to the other people, members of the Mavuot, you have to lift it up a tefach off the ground. The person who's receiving it has to lift it a tefach off the ground. So then they were listing other things that the, that the elders of Pumbedita also said, not really necessarily related to what we're talking about. What is considered an Asherah? In other words, if you see a certain tree, you want to know, is this an idolatrous tree? What can give you an indication that you should assume that it is an idolatrous tree? So Amarav Rav said, it says Og here. That doesn't mean Og Melech Habashad, right? It means Avodat Gilulim, the idolaters, or sometimes we'll say Akum, Shomrinota, they guard it, and they refuse to eat from its fruits. In other words, there's a taboo on eating from its fruits, and they guard it very carefully. You could see that is probably, even though, right, Rashi says, in other words, even though we don't see them actually worshiping the tree, you don't need to see them worshiping the tree. You see how they treat the tree as though it's a very sacred tree, you know, that shows it's Asherah. Shmuel says it goes even further. Even if they say that the dates from this tree are to make beer for Ben for the for the idolatrous house, that they drink Biyom Chagam, that they're going to drink on the day of their holiday. It would be like, um, I mean, this doesn't grow on a tree, but if they said, this eggnog is going to be made for the Xmas celebration, that would be like, uh, you know, enough to say that it has some idolatrous involvement. Of course, eggnog doesn't come from a tree as far as I know. I'm not sure what it is actually made of, but that would, uh, that would be different. But the, but the concept is, even if they said that this tree, had, that, that we're going to use the fruit of this tree for our holy, uh, holy thing, so that means that they, uh, love deal. So that means that... Um, that it's, uh, it's an idolatrous tree, you should assume it is. So that's even more strict than Rav, because Rav is saying that they have to show that it's somehow sacred. Shmuel is saying even if they say that it has a purpose that is some sacred purpose in their religion, that's enough to be concerned about it. And the, and the elders of Pumbedita said to me, okay, so we're continuing on, seemingly this is still... Um, uh, this is going back because according to our text, it says in the parentheses, Amar Amemar, that Amemar said this. But if you go back to, uh, really this seems like it was uh, possibly Rav Chaviva who originally said this because it says, and they said to me, so it seems like it's still... Um, uh, or actually, Amemar maybe, because Amemar was the last person who talked. Amar Amemar, Hanenami Sabed de he was the last person who spoke. So seemingly it's going back to him, so it doesn't have to say Amar Amemar. That's why it's, because uh, the, it would be superfluous to say his name again, because it's still him talking. That's why they have it in parentheses. So, Avamurli Sabed de Pumbedita, Hilchetak Vedit Shmuel. And the, the elders of, of uh, Pumbedita said, by the way, the law follows Shmuel here, that, um, that even if they say that these dates, the fruits of this tree have some holy purpose for our holiday, um, that's enough to uh, assume that it is some kind of a sacred uh, tree, idolatrous tree, and, and you can benefit from it. May the way they raise an objection to this case, so it said, we, we have an objection to the teaching above. Because it says that, how do you make a shituf mavuot? And again, shitufei mavuot is where you unite the different chatserot in using the alleyway, in using the mavoy. So it says, you take a, ba- a barrel of wine, of oil, of fig, of uh, dates rather, of figs, or of any kind of fruits, in Michelo, if it belongs to him, in other words, the person who's making the shitufei mavoot, is making it on behalf of everybody, so it's then he has to transfer ownership of it to everyone, so they all share it, vim but if he collected it from everybody, right, so he, um, so he, he says that uh, he has to let them know 
that he's doing it, but he, he so, and Rashi says, Im chafetzin bekach, that he has to, he has to make sure that he has their permission. Now we're assuming then maybe that he actually collected it, not necessarily checking with them first, as we're going to see later in the Gemara, it's going to talk about that. Rashi says, Im chafetzin bekach, shema makbidin, because maybe he will collect food. He went to everyone's house and he took a few figs from everyone's yard or something like that to make the shitavim of order. He didn't exactly check with them. So in that case, he would have to check. Why? Because, ha makbid al eruvora, she says, in other words, if the person goes and he collects, he sees, a, uh, he sees everyone has their uh, date, uh, basket of dates in front of the house. He goes around and he takes from everybody and he makes a basket of it and he says, I'm going to make you to fame of oath. The only problem is you can only do that with permission because maybe I'm makpeed. I say, I don't, want, uh, I don't want Joe down the street eating my, uh, ha- having a, a, a portion in my uh, dates. Uh, why, should, why should he have a, I don't like him. Whatever. He's He's a makpidal eruvoy. It won't work. It has to be like you said before that be'emet. If somebody wanted to come take it, they would be able to take it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be valid. So he says that you have to go and check. And and it says fine Here it says you only have to lift up the chavit mashu mashu is a tiny bit. It's less than a tefach. A tefach is a specific measure of around three inches or so, right? Three, four inches, whatever. But here it says mashu. So Gemara says, no, you don't have to be so, you don't have to be so particular. Maybe what it means, my mashu umanami dekamar tefach. What it means when it says pick it up a little bit is it means a tefach. Because what else could it mean? Of course it just means a tefach. So don't, don't, don't get too upset about that. It means a tefach. Now, the, uh, uh, so it's not really a contradiction because lifting it up a little bit means lifting it up a tefach. Idmar was stated as follows. So here we get into an interesting discussion. When it comes to shitufei mavo'ot, you're making, you decide to take the initiative yourself and make the shituf. You're not going to bother everybody to give you food. You don't want to check with every person and say, can I have your food and all that. You're just going to make it on behalf of everyone. So Rav says, so what happens is Rav says, since you're doing a favor for everybody, why should you have to transfer ownership to everyone? You're giving it of your own free will so you don't have to do that. Shmuel says, you do have to um, transfer ownership like we said in the Mishnah above, right? There it's the opposite. When it comes to if you are going on someone's behalf to make an Eruv Tchumin for them, you have to, you have to transfer ownership of that food. Because again, with Eruv Tchumin, to extend the Tchum, to extend the boundary, you also have to put food at a certain location. So it says, if you want that, that food has to belong to the person who, uh, who, for whom you are setting the Eruv Tchumin, according to Rav. But Shmuel says, no, you just go and you put it there and it's no problem. Okay, so they're, they're reversed. In other words, in ter- for Eove, for, uh, for Eove Chatzerot, or for Shitufei Mavuot, rather, Rav says you don't have to transfer the ownership. Shmuel says you do. For Eove Tchumi, it's opposite. If you're extending the border, so there Rav says you have to transfer the ownership, and Shmuel says no. Right, so if you look, they, uh, they explain, um, I think the Tosfot on the top says that, uh, that the reason is that since the person in other words, when it comes to Eruvet, since if, if a person is not participating, they're going to prohibit it on everybody else, right? Therefore, it's a type of a, um, in other words, I don't have to formally transfer my, uh, my rights in this food. If I decide to make the shitufei mavo'ot on behalf of everybody, I don't have to formally transfer my rights to this food to everyone else according to Rav because the very fact that you will create for me a problem if you don't own it is 
that's enough of a reason why I want to give it to you. In other words, normally when you formalize a transaction, it's because maybe I have buyers, I have sellers remorse. You know, I don't want to necessarily give it to you. But here I have a reason. So that reason is enough, says Rav. And so he says, in the case of the, uh, of, if I go make an Erovet Chumin for you, it has no effect on me. I don't, that Erovet Chumin is not for me. So there's nothing to relate my action of putting that Erovet Chumin to you because it's not like if I put that Erovet Chumin or I don't put that Erovet Chumin that it affects me. I'm just doing it on your behalf. It doesn't affect me at all. So therefore, I need to formally transfer possession of the item to you in order for it to work. That's how Tosafot at the top in Rav Amar Eno Tarich um, explains it. Okay, and he says Kidepereish Rashi, and, um, and that's how Rashi explains it. And he says Shmuel. So why does Shmuel have the opposite? He says because when it comes to Mavoy, you need to have. A, a, a transaction. You need lizakot because it has to do with transferring uh, rights to a certain extent. It has to do with transferring rights in the mavoy that we're all sharing our rights together. So therefore, you need a formal kinyan. But in the case of uh, in the in the case of the erovet chumin, you're not acquiring anything. In other words, when you make shetufei mavoot. You're not, you're, you're actually saying everybody consolidate their rights to this. We're making a partnership in the, in our rights to this alley. Okay. That's actually changing the configuration of the ownership, so to speak. Right. In Eruvet Chomin, I'm not owning anything. I'm just putting a piece of food there. So maybe I don't need to do any Kinyan. So basically in this, uh, to make it simple, according to Rav, when do you need to, when do you need to transfer ownership of the item? When, what in order to, when there's nothing that would make the tra- the, the the transfer a, a, um, of any substance without some kind of a process because when it comes to shitufei mavoot where you're prohibiting me right so he says there he says since the, the very fact that you're like prohibiting me is enough to make my desire to share it with you Significant. I don't have to do any other action. I want to share it with you because I want to get out of the prohibition that is going to fall on me if you're not a part of this shit. That's enough to give substance to my intent. I don't have to do any action of transferring. Whereas in Eruvet Chumin, where there's nothing to give substance to my action of putting a piece of food somewhere for you unless I actually transfer ownership of it. So, he, so Rav is bothered by whether this, the action is considered to have substance or not. The Kinyan is considered to have substance or not. Shmuel is bothered by, is, is saying that in the case of Eruvet Chatserot, uh, there's an issue of giving up rights because the rights to the mavoy or the rights to the chatzer are actually being reconfigured. So therefore, there has to be a formal transaction. In the case of Erovet Chuyin, there's no rights involved. It's just a matter of putting food somewhere to allow someone to extend the border. So therefore, the uh, uh, so that's a, that's a different story. So anyway, but back to the Gemara itself. So that's just the reasoning behind the respective positions. Now, according to Shmuel, it makes sense because in our Mishnah, it said that you have to you have to transfer rights in that barrel of food to everybody. So Shmuel is just following the Mishnah. In the case of Erovet Chumin, you will not find anywhere that it says that if you're putting an Erovet Chumin for somebody that you have to transfer rights to the food. It never says that. Right? But what about Rav? Where is Rav getting his idea? So it says tonight here it's a machlok et tanaim. Once upon a time it happened that the daughter-in-law of Rabbi Oshaya went to the... Um, Went to the bathhouse. Rashi says this bathhouse was out of the Tehum. It was out of the, uh, it was outside Tehum and she was going to try to get it back, get back before Shabbat. Okay? And, uh, and it became dark. And her mother-in-law made the Eruv for her on her behalf without telling her. Okay? Very nice mother-in-law. Not like the usual stories of mother-in-law. It's not so good. <laughs> the nice mother-in-law. Obama said, 
And, and, and they asked Rabbi Chia, is it valid? And he said, no. So Amal Rabbi Ishmael Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Ishmael Rabbi Yossi said to him, Bavlai, you Babylonian. Why are you so strict about Eruvin? This is what my father said. He said, whenever you can be lenient about Eruvin, you should be lenient. In other words, what do you see here? The problem seems to have been that she did not transfer any uh, ownership of the... Um, she did not... Uh, because uh, like Rav is saying, I hold like the position of the stringent view, right? That she, ha- that you ha- she didn't transfer any rights... To right, like uh, I'm, th- yeah. Rav is saying I hold like the first, like Rabbi Chia, who said it was no good because she didn't transfer ownership of that eruv. Um, she just went and put an eruvet chumin there so that the daughter would be able, daughter-in-law would be able to walk back. Okay, she didn't transfer ownership of that food that she left there on behalf of the daughter to the daughter. So therefore, daughter-in-law rather. So therefore, it wasn't valid. He's saying I'm holding like Rabbi Chia. There's an opinion that I hold like. Okay, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi said that they, we don't have to go so strict. So that would be Shmuel. That would fit with Shmuel. Okay, this is Rashi's interpretation that the discussion here is about eruvet chumin. There's a Tosafot here that has a different interpretation that it's not really about eruvet chumin. Might be about eruvet chatzirot, but it's another story. In any case, the Bailu they asked the following question: Mishel chamotai uvala. Added that part, it doesn't actually say that. It just says that she went to the bathhouse. So that's what I'm saying. Tosafot has a different interpretation, but we don't want to get too too busy with different interpretations. So they asked the following question: So they asked, wait a second, let's go back to the story here because you're assuming that the the problem was that the mother-in-law went and put food without being mizakash. She wasn't she didn't transfer ownership of it to the daughter-in-law, right? That was the problem that they were debating over there. Is that really the case? And or maybe no, really she took food of the daughter-in-law herself. She didn't take her own food, right? Or was it because it wasn't with her permission? In other words, there's two elements here. There's two questions, right? The question between Rav and Shmuel is whether the person up for whom you are placing an Eovet Chumin has to own the food. Do you have to formally transfer possession of the food to them or you can just do it on their behalf with your own food, right? That's one issue. The other issue is do you need their permission or not, okay? I'm a, what? that Because it's not a zechut. Because you're deciding that my tichum is going to be extended east. Maybe I want to go west. It's also a restriction. It's not zachin, the tichumin. See, erov echatzerot and shitvein vod is a zechut no matter what. Because why would you not want to be able to carry? Right? But, but, but tichumin is, is also a liability. Yeah. So Amal, and he said to the Ha'umer Rabbanan, from Rabbi Yaakov Shemei, one of the rabbis named Rabbi Yaakov said, L'didim ifarshali minei, I got a direct explanation of this from Rabbi Yochanan that Michel that the issue was that the mother-in-law put from her own food. And the whole issue was because she did not transfer ownership. So it wasn't because of permission issue. It wasn't because of that because I, I suppose that the, uh, it was uh, implicit that the daughter would obviously want to come back. She didn't need, uh, she didn't need permission, right? So, um, uh, but she didn't transfer ownership and that was the issue and that was the machloket there and then that fits perfectly with Rav and Shmuel's machloket as well. Okay, Amalei, Rabbi Zerah, Rabbi Yaakov, Breid debat Yaakov. So Rabbi Yaakov, so Rabbi Zerah said to Rabbi Yaakov, who was the son of the daughter of Yaakov, according to the way that we have it here and according to the correction on the side, it just says Berah, the de, de, de Yaakov, which is more correct because Bray is his son, is Beno Shel Bat Yaakov, which would be not correct in Hebrew, it would be right, it should be Bena Shel Bat Yaakov, because for some reason, uh, like Rashi says, the, his father, he, he was named after his, uh, of his, uh, after his mother because his father was not a good person. We don't know really what the story was there, but in any case, when you go there, when you go to Israel, go by the 
um, literally it means the ladder of Tzor. It's like a certain, um, a certain path. And please ask Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi the following question. Okay? Question that, same question we asked Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan had a definitive answer. Rabbi Yochanan apparently said that it was very clear that the whole issue in that story was that she didn't transfer ownership of the food to her daughter-in-law. It had nothing to do with the, with the permission of the daughter-in-law. He said, Same thing that Rabbi Yochanan said. The issue wasn't a permission issue. The issue was a p- proprietary rights issue that she didn't transfer ownership to the daughter-in-law. Rabbi Nachman said, we are... We t- yeah, yeah, exactly. So Rabbi Nachman said, 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 that the law is that we accept as a matter of halakha, halakha lima said that in all of these cases, one has to be mizakeh, one has to transfer the ownership of the item, whether you are doing on somebody's behalf, erovei chatzeot, or shitufei mavuot, or you are doing erovei tchumin, in all cases you have to do, you have to transfer the ownership to um, the person on whose, be- on whose behalf you're doing it. E- so, and basically he's taking the chumrot of both. He's taking the stringency of Rav and Shmuel. He's saying we're taking both. By Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman is the following question. What about So it, it, and uh, I've mentioned this before, but do you have to transfer ownership of the food of the Erovet Shilin in order to, uh, to do it on behalf of others or not? I'm Rav Yosef, what's the question? Haven't you heard the teaching that Rav Nachman Baravada said in the name of Shmuel? Okay, and Shmuel is a very uh, substantive, substantive person, right? He said, Eruvet Shilin, that whenever you uh, make an Eruvet Shilin on behalf of other people, when Yom Tov falls out on Erev Shabbat, so you have to make Eruvet Shilin before to allow you to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat. And if you want to make the Eruv on behalf of other people, or, beha- or sometimes the rabbi makes it on behalf of the community. So then you have to transfer ownership of it so that it's a shared item with everyone. And Shmuel said that already. So he said, why are you asking what, whether you need to do that? What? Without the knowledge. Without the knowledge, because what's the problem? Yeah. Of course he didn't hear this teaching in the name of Shmuel. Meaning, what he, uh, if Rav Nachman is asking the question, obviously he didn't hear that Shmuel already resolved it. You could wait, you could wait, you could wait, you'll see. Because if he heard it, right, if he had heard it, why would he ask the question if he heard it? So, wait a second, you're saying Rav Nachman is just a, uh, he's a mindless uh, follower? He does whatever Shmuel says? It's not true. Because you see that in the case where Shmuel said before, you don't have to transfer ownership. He still said you had to transfer ownership. In other words, because Rav disagreed with Shmuel. So maybe there's an opinion that Rav Nachman knows that there's multiple opinions. And he's asking, okay, Shmuel, fine, but maybe there's another opinion he's worried about. So Achi Ashtar, the Gemara says, that's not really a comparison. Really, Abaye is right. He wouldn't have asked the question. Why? Because over there we know there's a machlok between Rav and Shmuel. And and basically Rav Nachman is explicitly saying, I know that Rav is stringent in one case, lenient in the other. I know that Shmuel is stringent in one case, lenient in the other. I'm going to take both stringencies just to be on the safe side because they don't contradict each other. They're two totally different issues. Right, they're, they're different issues. Does Eruvet Chumin require and does Eruvet Chatzerot or Shitufei Mavot require? They're different issues, right? Avalacha, but here, right? So he says, but over here, if he did hear 
that Shmuel already said that for Eruvet Tavshilin, you definitely have to be Mizakeh. You definitely have to transfer ownership to everybody. Uh, nobody's ever heard of any argument about this. In other words, the arguments were about Eruvet Chumin and were about Eruvet uh, Eruve, uh, Chatserot, whether you have to transfer the ownership to, other, to the, all of the participants or whether it's enough that you have in mind to share it with everybody or to do it on behalf of the other people and you don't really have to transfer ownership. There, there's a clear machloket explicitly between Rav and Shmuel. There was no machloket about this. So just because Shmuel said it doesn't mean we have to imagine that, oh, probably Rav disagreed. Why, why would Rav disagree here? Right? So if there's, no, if there's no source to substantiate that there was another opinion, the assumption is that what Shmuel said was a unanimous opinion. And therefore, um, if Rav Nachman had been aware of it, he wouldn't have asked the question, just like was said before. Now, there was a certain non-Jewish guy who was actually says, He was the person who was in charge of the weaponry. Okay, so he, was, uh, he worked at the armory. Okay, he lived in the neighborhood of Rabbi Zerah. I guess that could be potentially a benefit if the guy is nice. Yeah, he has all those weapons. He said to him, please, uh, you have to um, uh, lease us your share, the shared areas. Because we learned that whenever you have a chatzir and it's, it's populated by Jews and also by non-Jews, so you have to rent the area that is shared from the non-Jews. He wouldn't do it. So they came to Rabbi Zeran and said, and, uh, you know, his wife is much nicer. Maybe if we approach his wife, she'll be willing to do it. He said, Reish Lakish said in the name of a great man, Umanu, and who was this great man, Rabbi Chanina, that Ishto Shel Adam, a wife can go ahead and, uh, and, and contract the Eruv without the knowledge of the husband, meaning to say that, we, that here too, we can go and even though the guy was declined to do it, there's a whole question, what if he protests? But let's say he declined to do it, he didn't want to do it. So if the wife agrees to do it, it's okay. So, the, um, so therefore they went and they, they, they rented from the wife. Right. How, right. Well, it, it just says he didn't do it. So maybe if he explicitly said no and rejected it, it would be different. They said, I don't, I don't want to do it right now or whatever. So there was a certain, again, uh, uh, a person like this. No, exactly. That was the Mishnah before you were late. You have to, you have to review the previous Mishnah. It says no. Now, so, so in any case, there was a non-Jewish guy, again, same situation, lived in the neighborhood of Rabbi Yehuda Bar Oshaya. Amrele, they said to him, O Gerlan Rishutach, said, please let us lease your property. Lo Gelu, he wouldn't do it. They came to Rabbi Yehuda Bar Oshaya, and they said, Amrele, they said to him, can we go to his wife? Lo Ababiyadeh, he didn't know. He didn't know the answer, so he didn't have a definitive answer right away. Right, Atul the wife of the man can do, do this without his, his knowledge, okay? It doesn't say neged dato. It says without his knowledge. He didn't want to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean he said, I refuse to do it. It just said he didn't want to participate. He didn't have time, okay? So they went to the wife. Made the an objection. It says that if women... Uh, it, there's a contradiction here because it says explicitly that, that wives that basically did the Iruvei Chatserot, they participated in it, or in the Shittufei Mavod, um, it doesn't work if it was Shalomidat Balehen, if it was without the permission of their husbands. Ven Shittufan Shittufan, it won't work, won't be effective. Shalomidat means without the awareness, right? So Lakashia had Asara that there's a difference between whether they are prohibiting or not. Meaning to say that if you have, Rashi says, for example, if the, um, if you have a, um, 
he says, if this person, if this family, this couple, whatever, will create a prohibition for the members of the Mavoy, okay, so then we don't require his knowledge and his, his permission uh, to, to have the wife participate. But our Mishnah says, but when, when it says that the wife cannot participate without the wife's, without the husband's knowledge, that's In other words, since they, maybe they have access to another Mavoy. Right? So we could just say, okay, they're not going to be part of our Shitufei Mavo'ot. They have another exit, so they're not going to be part of ours. They won't prohibit ours. If they sit out, they're just choosing to go out the other Mavoy instead of ours. And if they want to join with the other Mavoy, that, that's their problem. Right? Because they have access to another one. We use this one. Okay? We use the one on the west side of the city. They use the one on the east side of the city. They don't want to participate in ours, so we can't force them to participate in ours. They, because they're not getting in our way. We'll just say, okay, their exit is the other Mavoy, not our Mavoy. And that's okay. Right? But if it's a situation where actually by not participating, they would create a prohibition for everyone, in that situation, we can, we can have the wife participate even without the uh, knowledge of the husband. And then it's going to say, that this actually fits with other uh, things that we know because the Imken Kashad the Shmuel the Shmuel because otherwise we're going to have a contradiction within Shmuel because Damar Shmuel if you have somebody who was normally participating with the members of this a particular Mavoy and uh, and, and he, he, he decides he sits it out he says you know what this week uh, I don't want to do it I want to ruin it for everybody she says he wants to ruin it Okay, so it says, in that case, they can come in and say, too bad, buddy, we're taking it anyway. It's like taxes. In other words, they're coming in and they're just taking it from you because you have to participate and you have to be a good citizen. You know, what, what do you mean you're sitting it out? Right? So the, right. That's some say. Yeah, that's, that's some. It actually doesn't say that and Rashi doesn't even say that. But some, some Rishonim say that it means with the wife's permission. In other words, it's following what we said before. <coughs> that you can get it from the wife. The Rambam actually has in his halachot of Eruvin that you could walk in and just take it. It says it's not, you don't need the permission of anybody. Okay, because once they're already doing it regularly and now they're going to prohibit everyone, they're going to ruin life for everyone, they're not allowed to do that. So it says, So Shemamina, you see from that that there's a difference. That in a case where uh, where they, they normally participate and therefore if they withdrew, it would ruin it for everyone, there we can get the wife to participate and or even take it, you know, against their will. Maybe according to some, that's basically the same thing because it's against the will or against without the knowledge of the husband. On the other hand, uh, uh, if it's a situation where it's it's voluntary, they don't want to participate, so they don't want to participate. It's not going to affect anyone else. So then that's their problem and not ours. So there seems to be another support for this because that if you have a member of the Mavoy that uh, doesn't want to pay his taxes, we come around for the uh, we, we come around for the uh, person to you know we take the collection to make the to put the fourth side of the Mavoy to fix it with the stick. So it says, there it says you can kofinoto, you can force him, meaning it's, uh, it's like uh, collecting any maintenance uh, fee from the community that you, you need to pay. So, right? so, so he has to pay. So you see from there another, another proof like what we just said before, that when it's a situation where if he doesn't participate, it's interfering with everyone else, meaning he needs to be, he needs to support this because it's going to affect everyone else. So you see that, uh, that, that, that we count, um, that we're allowed to force him to participate when it will have an impact on everyone. So it says, no, that's different. That's different because there you're talking about 
um, and where there is no wall on the on the on the other side. It's a physical thing. So Rashi says that it, it, you can't leave the mavoy open without any closure on the on the fourth side because it's unsafe and it's hard to guard it. But everyone says, well, what is a lechi and a korah going to do to guard the mavoy? That's a very difficult interpretation, right? The simpler reason is to say that one is a one. It has to do with a a physical upkeep of the place. In other words, um, it's something that. It, that actually, technically, according to the uh, according to the strict rule, I mean, if you have lechi v'koa, even without shitufei mavoot, at the very least, you can carry within the mavoot. In other words, you can't carry from houses into the chatzir, from the chatzir into the into the mavoy without a shitufei mavoot. But whatever is in the mavoy, you could at least carry in there because it's got a cl- it's closed, right? So so we could say that okay, he doesn't want to participate in the shitufei mavoot, maybe. But to make the mavoy a place that people can carry is considered to be like tzorchet uh, zibur. He has to participate in that. Okay, then the Gemara says lishnach rina, and here we have mitzad shani. Everyone says mitzad shani is a typo. Everybody says it's a mistake, doesn't really make any sense, doesn't fit with the Gemara at all. The Gra is the, has a different version that says, it should say, Bet Dalid Shane, Mi Bet Din Shane, meaning that when it comes to a Mavo, Shitufei Mavo'ot, which is done by the community, it's grassroots effort, okay, maybe you can't force a person to participate. But when it's Mi Bet Din, in other words, who's in charge of putting the Lechi uh, Vikoran, the Mavo'ot, it's the Bet Din is going to take care of that. There, they can impose on a person a requirement that they have to participate. And, then, and that's like more of an official, um, it's like this, the government can make a court order, basically, that you have to participate in that, but not for Shitu Mavo'ot, which is voluntary. Okay, in any case, Idmar Rav Amar Osin Lechi Asherah. Rav Chiyabarashi says, if the only thing you have around for wood is the wood of an Asherah to make the Lechi, it's okay. Right? <coughs> he said you can even make the Korah from the wood of Asherah. The one he says you can use the Korah, he says definitely a Lechi. Why? Because the Korah has a higher standard. The Korah has to have a thickness that if you put brick on it, it would be able to hold it, like we learned before. So it has to have a certain thickness, and yet we're still allowing it. So definitely a Lechi that has no real measurement. Like we always say about Asherah, that uh, we look at anything that's uh, as if it's destroyed. Because since it has to be burned, it's condemned to be burned, so we look at it already like it has no measurement, like it has no substance. And therefore, since they, the Korah would need to have substance, um, you wouldn't be able to use it for a Korah, only for a Lechi. The question is why a Lechi is okay. And Tosafot says, doesn't a Lechi have to be a certain height? Doesn't a Lechi have to, it has to be ten Tfachim. You can't, you can't just have a, a tiny stick. So, so how can it be? What's the difference? Korah Lechi. So the guy who says that you can, that you can use um, uh, uh, both of them is saying that uh, the fact is that you have a physical item that is there and, and even though halachically speaking it needs to be burned and you're not supposed to benefit from it, uh, it's a, uh, he's allowing it for whatever reason, okay? Wow. Wow. But, but, because maybe it's not considered a benefit because you're not, you're not benefiting. You're, because you're, you're just closing off the wall, I guess it's not considered to be a, uh, a real benefit. Um, but the, um, but the uh, yeah, but the, um, but the one that says that you can uh, use it for a lechi, but not a korah is still a problem. And so there's a lot of different answers to why that might be. There's a very famous answer that says that the ten tefach uh, height of the of the lechi is not really that the lechi has to be ten tefachim, but that there, that a rishut hayachid has to be the height of ten tefachim. It's about the area that's enclosed that it's ten tefachim high, not about the lechi itself. So therefore, the lechi uh, doesn't really have a measurement in of itself, and and you don't have to say. Or uh, Tosafot says because it could be extremely thin, that's not considered significant measurement, even if it's ten tefachim high. Yeah. Says all three measurements when you have a specific thing, then only then it. 
Right, yeah. Right, right. So since there, since there's only a uh, height requirement and the, the, the thinness could be like uh, very, very thin, so that's not considered to be an issue. But in any case, they're, they're saying right. this, for most mitzvot where you use it in a mitzvah, we always say that the atzeh are no good for lulav and all these things. But when you're put, making it a part of a structure, apparently that's not considered a direct hana'a from the, uh, from the, uh, from the asherah. So now, so the Mishnah says, no, yeah. when, uh, when the wife accepts without the husband's knowledge, once yeah. he comes aware and he objects, it doesn't matter, uh, it's too late. It took effect already. Yeah, it took effect, yeah. Yeah, so now it says, what if you gather all this food together for the Erovei Chatzerot or whatever it is, you gather it together and and it diminishes over time. It gets eaten, it wastes away, whatever it is. So because you can have one Erovei Chatzerot for a long time. Right or she's fame vote for a long time. You don't have to make a new one every week, so uh, it wastes away. So it says a mosif umizakes. So you can add and you transfer ownership. Veins are and you don't have to let the people know. Now this is assuming that either you're mizakeh, either like Rashi says, either you are transferring ownership of your own stuff to the people, and in which case you definitely don't have to tell them because in that case they are only the beneficiaries. There's nothing to lose. Veins are and if you take from their food, you also don't have to tell them because you're just replenishing what they already agreed to give. But in the if there are new members of the Mavoy that move in, Mosif So in that case, you you add on their behalf and and you transfer to the you transfer ownership to them. Or if you're going to take from them, you definitely have to let them know because they never agreed to do it before, right? What's the amount that you need to put? If there's a lot of people, so then you need to have the amount of that that comprises two meals for everyone. We're going to see how much that is considered. And if there's less people. Then each person has to contribute a fig's worth of food. That's only in the beginning. But at the end, in other words, if it starts to waste away, even if a tiny bit is left, it's still good. In other words, you start with the ideal measurement, but if it wastes away, it's still good. And the only reason why we have Erovei Chatzerot is because we don't want the kids to forget. In other words, the idea is that if you have, what Rabbi Yossi means is that if you have a shitufei mavo'ot, and the, in other words, if all you have is an erovei chatzerot and it diminishes below the measurement, you have to replenish it. But if you had a shitufei mavo'ot, since we learned earlier, that a shitufei mavo'ot in a way is more, exclu- is more inclusive. So as long as you have the shitufei mavo'ot, all you need is a little bit. You need like a token eruvei chatzerot left to, to, to count. The rabbis say, no, you need a full eruvei chatzerot. That's why you have to keep replenishing it. Plus the shituvei mavod, and that one doesn't cover for the other. But Rabbi Yossi said, if you have a shituvei mavod, then if your eruvei chatzerot goes below the measurement, it's still okay. We'll just do a little bit of the gemara because it's getting late. Bemaya skin on what are we talking about here? If you're talking about replenishing it by going around, everyone gave originally gave dates, and you go and you take more dates from everybody. So even if it completely ran out, because the Mishnah is implying only if it diminished, but if it's completely gone, you have to start over again and ask for permission, right? Because it says nitmaet. It got less, so it's saying if it, even if it completely got depleted, you should be able to go and take uh, take people's dates again because they already agreed to give dates, right? Ella So then you must be talking about where you you were using dates before. Now you now it's apple season. You're going to take apples, okay? Maybe that. So it says then you have to ask. Then even if the dates that you had were diminished and you want to replenish the amount of food with apples, you got to get the permission. Detanya. 
Because it says, Kala ochel, mimin echad, and zarech lo diabo. Because the Brayta says that if the food, fe- if the food uh, ran out, and it was one type of food, meaning you're going to replenish with the same type of food that ran out, you don't have to tell them. But mibet minin zarech lo diabo. Now again, we're not talking about where you transfer ownership. We're talking about where you go around and collect the food without telling them. Okay? If it's a new food, because now date season is over, it's apple season, so then you have to let them know, I'm taking some apples. Okay? Now it says, We can interpret the Mishnah either way. If you want to, we don't have to interpret the Mishnah as meaning that if the Eruv got diminished, you don't have to let them know. We were assuming that that meant that if it got diminished, you have to let them know. But if it completely was depleted, I'm sorry, if it got diminished, you don't need to let them know. But if it got depleted, then you have to let them know. But maybe that's not true. Maybe it meant, when it said, it means even if it's completely gone, you still don't have to let them know because you're just taking the same food that you took before. And then we won't have a problem. Or, and maybe, alternatively, maybe it's talking about two types of food. In other words, in that really, um, we're not talking about one type of food. We're talking about two types of food. And Rashi says, And it's literal when it says, if it got diminished, okay, if it got diminished, and you're going to go and replenish it with a new type of food, right, that uh, you don't have to tell them. So Rashi says, That's talking about where you completely ran out. In other words, according to this, that if you, um, that if you have, if it got diminished, but the original Eruv is still there, even if you want to go take a different food to keep that original Eruv intact, you would be able to do it without their permission. According to the first way, no. If you want to take a totally new food, you need permission. If you just want to replenish the original food, even if it was completely depleted, it's okay. According to the second interpretation, as long as you're working with the original food, it's no issue. Even if the original food got diminished and you're adding, you're going around and taking people's apples now, as long as the original thing is still there, you can take even a different food. If it completely depleted and you're starting from scratch, asking people for a new food, that's where you would have to go around and get people's permission. So the, but the point is that this is talking about where they would actually collect the Eruv from each individual, not like what the, the other alternative, which is the simpler alternative, which is that a person just takes the amount of food, keeps it of their own, and transfers ownership so everyone can have a part in it, which is the more commonly uh, done thing nowadays where the amount of people that are sharing in Shittuvei Mavod or Eruvei Chatzot is huge, and anyway, the amount they would have to give would be so small because as we're going to learn, once it's more than 18 figs worth, we already ask, uh, we, 18 figs worth is the maximum. So how much, how much am I going to contribute to 18 figs worth and there's a thousand people in the, or, or thousands of people in, in the Chatzair, in the, in the one walled city that you have, there's going to be thousands of people.